I have heard in other interviews that you like really very, very informal, as informal as possible, or am, am I right? You know, whatever, it, whatever you're comfortable okay. with, don't feel like you have to be professional. Let me put it, let me put it that way. Mm. And I think that that's the good thing about these. There are other ones that I used to, I've been a little bit more formal with them lately mm. because I've been, in the beginning, I'd be like, cursing a lot mm. <laughs> like i'd be like and then this fucking piece man yeah 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 but uh i try and find wherever the person is comfortable with okay. and then like i'll exist there with them in that spot actually i think i had a lot of interviews about my my traveling and and, and, and switching the countries and i can speak about it again But I enjoy maybe more to speak about the projects or pieces or ideas or... We can talk about that. That's fine. Yes. Whatever you mm. want to... This is, this is not like a... Like, you know what I mean? I'm not, I don't have like a set of questions. So whatever, mm. wherever it goes, it goes. Yeah. So you've done a bunch of interviews before, but we're starting right now, by the way. <laughs> you've, but they always ask you about your travel. Yes, very often, especially in France. They always ask me, you are from Czech Republic... How is the situation there? Why did you come to Paris? And I, I love to explain it, but I had I have explained that a thousand times. <laughs> so you're you're basically you're sick of explaining it. No, not really. It is interesting because I feel French somehow, but I feel also Czech or, or from Slavic East European post-communist country. But anyway, I, I feel also very cosmopolitan because I change often places. I, I lived in Madrid. Two years and six months in, in Japan. Recently, I was in India and in, in inspired me a lot. I was in Africa and did a project that was very important for me. And then I lived seven years in Paris. Now I lived third year in Berlin. So How many years in Berlin have you been here? Since two and a half years, three years. Oh. Already three years. Okay, yeah. wow. I didn't know that. I guess we must have missed each other. Or I guess maybe I don't See, go to that many things. So, yeah. yeah. Why you travel so much? No idea. Yes, actually, why I travel, I think that my mission is to combine different sources, different inspirations and different musics. And it happens not only in music, but also in, in my personal life to combine different sources. And probably it's not an accident. Okay, so what caused it if it wasn't an accident? What caused you to make you want to do that? Actually, my first feeling was when I was 18, that I really wanted to go abroad and learn as much as I can. Because in my country, the ambience was a little bit uh, pessimistic, especially for composers and young artists. I mean, just as far as opportunities or... Exactly. Yeah. No, because 40 years of communism, they destroyed a lot of things, especially public, somehow continuation of, of, of new things in art. You were in Prague, right? You grew up yes. in Prague? Okay, mm. yeah. And then you cannot catch it easily just after the change to the to the freedom. It takes time. We still don't have public. We still don't have money. We still don't have teachers for contemporary music or contemporary art. It starts, but it takes time. And I felt that when I was 18, I wanted to go abroad and learn, learn languages and learn techniques and learn 
how to use new technology and, and everything. But you originally, you did study there originally. Yes. I feel, ba I feel bad because you've probably explained this a billion times, but I guess your answers will be good then because they'll be rehearsed. <laughs> but uh, what were the other students like? Were they all, did they also have that feeling of we got to get out? Were you unique in the way that a you were saying? Us, we went, a lot of us, we went to have an exchange somewhere. A lot of them went to, to Holland. I went to Paris. I was the only one in, in this time. And it was great for me because I learned so much in Paris, in Paris Conservatoire. What made you want to go to Paris? It was a kind of choice, an opportunity. One student wanted to come. So they, they searched for another chick that would go to Paris. And I applied. They chose me. And then in Paris, I realized that I wanted to study there and at the Conservatoire to do the entrance exam and to become a regular student. So I prepared that. And then I studied there five more years in Paris Conservatoire. What about the way they do things do you like? Or what did you like about it there so much that you made the decision to be it's like, this me. is the place for me, I'm not going back, I'm going to try Belgium. You know, it's Paris for half a decade. Paris is really good. Paris is one of the greatest places for new music, even if something is a little bit stuck there. What was the, the best thing I learned there was probably orchestration. With Marc-André Dalbavi. Okay. He's, also, he's very famous in the States now, too. Like the Chicago Symphony yes, Orchestra yes. plays all the stuff, yeah. He has been played, played there for many times. Yeah. As an orchestration teacher, he's great. And I learned really my basic knowledge with him. Then I learned electroacoustic music with Louis Naon and, and Guy Rebel and other teachers. And it was great to, to discover the, the, the studio and to, to learn how to use microphone. And I did some acousmatic pieces I, and I won some prizes and it helped me to survive in Paris. That was great. Then I somehow quit the acousmatic piece, acousmatic music. If I use electronics, it's usually combined with instruments. And I like also to write without electronics, without any technology. Okay, so why, why did you quit the acousmatic portion of your education? I did some couple of pieces and it was very exciting. And then I realized that I need to work with human beings. <laughs> so I like very much people. And <laughs> for that, I start now to conduct. I did two concerts recently and it was a great experience. One with orchestra, one with KNM, Kammer Ensemble Neue Musik. Okay. I really love to write for people, to conduct people, to be with people and to see energy moving from me to others and from others to me, to learn from them and to, to learn them. So that's probably the reason why the acousmatic music was not any more attractive for me. No people involved. Yeah. I do, I decide every detail on the computer and then the piece is finished and maybe listened in some very specialized festivals or concerts. And that's it. And also when you work, when I work with human being, my feeling is I can be more personal. It can sound really very special because I am writing something and I am inspiring somebody who then plays. So that's maybe the reason that I don't write any more acousmatic pieces. And I have now a lot of opportunities to write for orchestra and choir and orchestra and I love it. It's the only disadvantage is that probably it is played once or twice. Or, but. How do you approach orchestra writing? How do you make it work for you? Because it's such, I 
talk about this on a bunch of other interviews, the politics of an orchestra in terms of the attitude of the people and what they're willing to play, the amount of detail and difficulty you're allowed to put in, the amount of rehearsal time they give you. It's so limited on so many levels, even though the idea of it is amazing, right? Because you have lots of people on a stage. The amount of permutations you can get from instruments is incredible. But I'm just talking about like that political aspect is difficult to navigate. How do you write music that doesn't bump up against that? Actually, every time I wrote for orchestra, any piece I have written, it, it was with, with quite correct amount of rehearsals. At least, I don't know, three, two hours long rehearsals. I have never written any piece that would be rehearsed once or just one hour or 40 minutes. And I would probably refuse if I, if I have a choice. What orchestras did you write for that, that were so giving in their time? So my very first experiences were, were during this orchestration class with Marc-André d'Albavie. And I didn't write only orchestrations of Debussy or Beethoven or Stravinsky, but I really wrote my pieces orchestration of gamelan music, for example, or orchestration of Etude by Ligeti Vertige. And then we had school orchestra that they just read it once or twice. So we had 20 minutes and then we recorded. And so I learned in this manner. My first piece was written for school orchestra and it was rehearsed maybe three times. This is orchestra of, of already graduated students of the Conservatoire in Paris. And I wrote it for the prize of, for the final exam of conducting. And it was very, very good experience. Well, good recording and it has been played once more with, with Orchestre National de Bordeaux so quite good French orchestra then I wrote for Orchestre National de France also good orchestra then I won a, a competition and wrote an orchestra piece for Brandenburg Symphony and it was also uh, a lot of rehearsal quite good orchestra and I, I was played two times in, in Poland and now I finished a piece for Poland again which will be played by National Orchestra Katowice. It's a very good one, in, in one of the best in Poland. So maybe I, I have never worked with the best orchestra level, like Berliner Philharmonica or New York Philharmonic, yeah. but with very good orchestras anyway. But I think that the composer is responsible for the if the piece works or not. Because I feel that immediately I have a trust of the musicians, even if I ask them to do quite special or extreme things. And the reason is probably that I like to to work with the energy of, of orchestra, to put a lot of people together, that every musician is sure that he plays in, in a group. Or Do you understand? You know, I understand, I understand <laughs> completely. Um, what's the secret to doing that? Like, what, like what's, the, what's the craziest thing? Let me, let me go back a little bit. What's the craziest thing you ever ask an orchestral musician to do? They play with the bird cries in the instruments. For example, brass instruments, they, they have to put Moorhen cry in the mouthpiece of the, of the tuba or something. Okay. And the percussion player, they have to emerge percussion instruments in water or play timpani with Super Bowl. And also the string instruments have to play with slides and plectrums. And they do it. And I have never had any strike, do you say? They've never given you any trouble for that? No. Once I... I spoke with the percussion players and they said, hey man, what did you write? It's too difficult for us. We are not 20 years old. 
new generation of percussionists we are 50 60 years we don't have these techniques with four mallets in in two hands or really it's just some guy who's i play the timpani that's what i do <laughs> and then anything else he gets that mad. happens that's the yeah. reality i have to accept this rule in this piece i really wrote timpani part the timpani has to use some tibetan bowls on the timpani or, or, or cymbals on the timpani but i don't ask him to play tom tom or <laughs> do you feel like you have to get to know an orchestra personally before you do that like does it help that if you know that the percussionist is 60 not, years not old really. and, no yeah. i would not i think more important is to feel the potential of orchestra and uh, and use it use it fully once i wrote it was lucerne academy orchestra so the project of boulez yeah. and we had two years one year one year of try things and one year when boulez was conducting the final piece for the first year of trial i got some negative reactions by email from young musicians like trombone players You wrote it maybe for tuba, but we cannot play it by trombone. It's too low. And they were somehow right. But in the first tutti reading, what I wanted worked because it was not only trombone in extreme low register, but trombone with contrafagot and contrabass clarinet. And it was a kind of noise. And they understood. And I asked Pierre Boulez, what, what should I do with those kind of musicians if they start to complain before hearing the piece and after reading the piece they understand and he just say no you have to say first listen to it and then you can have comments okay you mean like you mean listen to the whole yeah. thing d'abord écouter et après avoir des commentaires okay so, it was the only time but the problem is when you start to write extreme experimental things and you don't get this force of orchestra The orchestra is maybe dispersed and, and and never play together and never sound or never and then the musicians they think we have to do funny things or strange things or even stupid things and we don't feel what what's happening we have no idea of the of the whole do you think it's important for them to know their place in the grand scheme of things oh i'm part of this sound which is part of this kind of force that's happening sure yeah that's important what if the music isn't about that then it's probably you shouldn't be writing for it for orchestra, I maybe, guess. Maybe, maybe yeah. some music, some composers maybe should be focused on ensembles and... Or chamber or solo mm. stuff, yeah. But we have people like like Marc-André, I, I have heard great pieces for, for orchestra and it works, even if he just asks noises and only strange technique, not in one normal single pitch. But he does certain things to like lubricate that. It's still kind of part of a, it's still very like orchestra-like attitude that that music has it's very forceful it's got a it's got a powerful narrative it's it still works like orchestral music yeah that's the good question if you really should write for orchestra if you really don't like that if you don't want to, to unify forces of many people to or you can write in very classical way you can just write pitches for orchestra and it can sounds you can get incredible colors you can divide the strings by one and have a cluster of 80 notes, for example. You can use glissandos, you can use combinations. But it's quite important. In orchestration, I, I learned a lot of rules that are very simple. I will give you one. <laughs> if you have something, give me two. <laughs> if, you, if you want something silent, just few instruments play. And if you want something loud, many instruments play. That's a rule. Okay, I, I mean, that's a very simple rule. Yes, yeah. but important. Okay. <laughs> important yeah. to respect it. And if you make crescendo, more and more play. And if you make the crescendo, less and less play. 
But you have to know also the registers. You have to know what, which color you write and don't use, not to use an instrument that cannot make this color. Not to use oboe if you want something smooth and round and not to use high flute if you want some shadow and so on. And, and to know quite well the registers of brass instruments where they are powerful and It's, a, for example, great fun to, to use low horns, but you have to double them. You have to have four together. If not, they feel so shy that they will not play. If you want by horn. <laughs> yeah, you know, I feel like part of the joy is also like of composing for me is just like discovery, right? I'm writing a piece for two pianists and two percussionists mm. right now. It's so fun to discover all of these kind of combinations. The percussionists are just playing inside the piano. That's their only percussion instrument. And they have a, they have nice. a, a, mm. gu a slide guitar, but then mm. there's knocking and harmonics and everything mm. like that. And the idea of kind of experimentation on that level and discovery on, on that level when you're using small forces like that, it's possible. Mm. You can spend two months just going in and fooling around and maybe it's you and a friend who are you know fooling around if you mm. need to be playing while someone's doing something inside the piano mm. and experimenting and discovering stuff that you know will work mm. because you're doing it right there because mm. the forces are so small that you can actually do that you can't do that with the orchestra so i almost feel like even though there's tons of there's a million more types of permutations you can get with lots of people and combinations and extended techniques they actually mm. the ability for you to be like will that work you don't really get to find that out till it's too late i have never feeling that if i write for orchestra that i become more conservative or classical or more prudent do you say prudent prudent i think prudent is the word like yeah. reserved you're like i reserved. better not i better not try this out because i won't be able to test it and if by the time i put it out there it's going to be too late And I am not more prudent for orchestra than for ensemble. And actually, I love experimenting. And I do at home alone <laughs> a lot of experimenting. I write a little bit differently in the sense that in ensemble, I will write crescendo. Maybe you have a figure in, in violin and I would write just crescendo and he will make crescendo. In orchestra, I have to put more and more instruments. Yeah. And maybe the figure would, will, be, will, will be with a little bit less details. Not that much, one note, sul ponticello, other tremolo, other. But it's the only difference. If I want to make a color, whoa, I want yeah. to write it for orchestra. Yeah. I, I love the rhythm. And rhythm for me is something that you can really hear, the pulsation, or, or you can sing it. So I don't use much those kind of, of complicated figures like seven against eight and eleven against eight with the first and last missing. Because I write only what I can sing and what can I, what I can play or what... I can conduct. Also, conducting helps a lot to feel what works and what does not work because the conductor is not the drum kit player. He makes the beat in the air. You don't, it's quite abstract beat. And some kind of rhythms would never work. Like in big band, they work. So I'm still learning just not to be disappointed to write. I am trying, if I write chamber music or orchestra or ensemble music most of the time i go to the peak of the capacities of the musicians it's never easy they have to almost all the time to to be at the peak of the concentration and of, of the physical capacities too high too low and and i like it to make them like awaken yeah <laughs> 
at the same time, it is always possible. If it's not possible, they will correct it in the rehearsal. They have this feeling, sorry, but you wrote something. I have a suggestion and I always accept. In the rehearsal, I change a lot with the help of the musicians. And if I conduct, it's even much easier because I can immediately decide. And last time with Kammer Ensemble Neue Musik, the American percussionist, he he just changed the beat. He changed me the measuring of the piece that has been played 10 times with with five different ensembles. And you let him do that? Of course, because he was right. It was helping. And maybe in ideal situation, my dream would be to be allowed to conduct my music and to have a little time to correct it, to experiment with the musicians, to let them help me and to, to find perfect and form where each instrument is at the peak of his capacities. And and the result is just very clear. So mm. you you don't really accept the idea then, if I'm reading this right, that the document that you're creating, like literally the dots and notes on a page, that is the word of God, or or I mean, or you, or you know, that is the final thing that has to be followed through, no matter what. It's always okay. This is pretty close to what I want. Like music notation is pretty accurate and it's going to pretty much be the same thing. But if something has to be changed in this thing to make it better, then the reality is more important than... Right, exactly. Okay. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I try to be as precise as I can. And I know that the classical musicians, they find their freedom in the moment when they have to play something very precise. So I don't have good experience with some free choice or, or half improvisation. I try to be very precise and they have to respect it. But you feel in my music, in my rehearsal, immediately he feels and I feel if it does not work, if we have to change something. How do you split your time up? Because you just talked about all of these orchestral works that you're doing. Is that you feel like that's going to somehow be your specialty one day? Because people have, composers have careers as orchestral composers like that's primarily what they do actually is, is I, that I, the direction I love, you're going in or i i love group of people and if i should go to the concert i get invitations every day per emails and i always check very quickly what's happening i don't go to concert of solo duo trio i really love to have quartets and quintets and, and ensembles and orchestras and choirs I love the groups of people. So, but I, you stop it at three. It's it's like once you get once you hit quartet, once you hit string quartet, then all of a sudden, it, yeah, up two musicians, you have already a kind of confrontation between two people. So, what, what I definitely never write is solo piece or solo with electronics. I wrote once a duo because it was a kind of exercise for me, but I'm really excited by by orchestra and ensemble and choir. And I can break, also I, I can work with a group of actor, theater actors or mix different genres, but I need people. You need a group of people to, to create a force. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Force and also inner conflicts or inner happenings inside the, of the group. Not only dialogue, maybe force and maybe chaos and maybe nostalgia and, and disappearing and...
Position initiale. Tête vers l'avant. Tête vers l'avant. Bras gauche tendu. Vertical. L'arc diagonal. Bras droit, presque visage. 
Mm-hmm. 
Barvičku, 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 barvičku. Zubeček, drateček, korečko, matička, paseček, osička, paseček, osička. Zubeček, započ, drateček, narvotek, korečko, namazat, matičku, uda, Osičku, prosrič, pasičku, ovino. Dětečkem ukačit hovičku, hovičku, namočit, 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 namočit. Potoč, 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 potoč. Potoč, 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 potoč.
You seemed very well trained as a composer. No, I mean this in a good way. That your training and your way of working and thinking is best suited for reality and not any type of theoretical aesthetic statement that one would make. So That's true. what do you think, like, do you try and avoid that then? A big theoretical ideology saying that because I'm throwing out an example here, because of this, now it has to be 17 in the space of 28 mm-hmm. because it's about this thing. And of course, reality is going to create some weird kind of result that might or might not align with that ideology, but it's, it's still loyal to the idea and not the reality. Actually, you are very right. In my music, I avoid any theoretical statement. For other composers, they can write in any manner. I don't care, but I need that the result works. Recently, I was I was conducting one score that I my feeling was that there is a, a lot of numbers and theory behind it, and somehow it was not realistic or, or, or it was a little bit there was a distance to the reality, but the piece worked in the concert. But did it work the way he the composer wanted it to work? Not sure, but it worked. <laughs> So how did it, how did it work, it. though? I mean, in what way? No idea how. <laughs> no idea. It, it made it made something. You you can create a lot of situations. You can create stress of musicians by using too many notes that they cannot play. They are composers like that. I think it has to do with intent, and this is what bothers. But of course, something is going to happen. I mean, I could close my eyes and just start kind of stabbing a piece of paper and then like drawing the dots and. You know, I, I could do any kind of random processes like that, and I'm not thinking about the reality, and I'm still going to come up with a document. I'm going to give it to people. They're going to figure out that something has to happen and that they should try and take whatever messy information is and try and sculpt it. And then if they're good musicians, they'll kind of make it work somehow. Mm. But that doesn't mean it's not bad composing on my part. You know what I mean? No. Any manner is allowed. Any manner, me personally, I am very much oriented to some... I am enjoying very classical manner of composing of a music that sounds completely different. So I use paper, I use pen and eraser and, and, and ruler. And I want to hear most of the thing that I write. I don't want to hear everything. I want to write sometimes something that goes beyond my hearing, my inner hearing. Because sometimes I need something so fast or so virtuose that I cannot hear. But I want the most of the, my music to be able to sing, to hear. And also I just checked a, a couple of days ago that I can take the pieces that I wrote last 10 years and I can all of them sing most of the part of it. So that's my way. You can use your way. I don't care, but I want that the result works. There are composers that they write things that the musician cannot play and they have to discuss it in the rehearsal and make compromise. And it still can work in the concert, then the result. But there are a lot of composers that they but are your depressed. Inten- but, um, yeah, but the thing is, like, your intentions are close to it. This, this is what I like about it. Mm. And this is what bothers me about other things that don't do that. Mm. Your intentions, what you want, because you've thought about these things, it's close to what's happening. Yes, I could have some wild, crazy idea and have some in, and have a intention of this is how what I want it to be when it happens in the concert. Mm. If I'm not caring about what's happening in reality while I'm writing mm. it, 
then it could be that my intentions are completely missed. Mm. What I wanted to happen, like the opposite happened. That doesn't mean something didn't happen or that people didn't appreciate it. Mm. But then what am I doing as an artist? Mm. I'm just kind of throwing things out there randomly Mm. and being like, okay, it's going to work somehow. Mm. Is that really an artistic vision? No. Mm. really. I mean, or not a successful one. Actually, today everything is allowed and you can use any manner. But I think that it's good to control somehow to have a really very clear idea. I think maybe the most important thing for a composer is to have really strong and clear idea and everything what you write to the score should support this idea and then if the idea doesn't work at all maybe it makes something else but you you feel a strong coherence in it but, but, I can't, but with but experience it always good. works better and better closer and closer to our idea but i'm still learning i'm still i wrote just finished the piece two days ago in this piece i wrote the things and i have no idea if it will work i use hot electric stove and and the percussion player should drop water on it no idea if it will be accepted in the security reasons if it will be hearable i tried it in i tried it in several places with my stoves and i did i have a choir that used toys no idea if the toys will be in the rhythm that i wrote even if i tried alone and also i i found completely new way how to write for strings combining exact pitches and just leaving pitches and in the middle of measure using graphic notation but everything very rhythmical and kind of scanning like group of people of voices scanning a text so in this manner i use the strings and no idea if it will work but i know that the musician they will sit they will see the scores they will be surprised they will have strange feeling the conductor will come they will make first reading and they will feel okay it might make th- sense let's find let's find together how to play it let's let's trust it actually we should learn that we are responsible for the result we are completely responsible there are a lot of young composers start to say why the piece was not that well played as it should be but we are responsible for everything if we accept a project we should check how will be the acoustic how many rehearsals will be there how much time they will have for the preparation because who else would be responsible we are we are we are the no, the ensemble's <laughs> responsible for that a little bit i mean they should also try and do a good i mean the, the, if, they are they are but they can, they can maybe misunderstand something or or we i just encourage every composer to check that all instruments are there that there is enough rehearsals that everybody has the material in time you think composers are not allowed to make assumptions about a project if they take it hey you know we're doing this project for this uh, uh string quartet i'm coming up with a hypothetical you know we want you to write a 15 minute piece for us it will be done in, you know it will be done in october we need it three months before and we can pay you x amount of euros mm. that's not enough for you it's not the ensemble's responsibility to also make sure that they have enough time to do it. If they're familiar with your work, then if you're like a super, if you're a composer that writes incredibly difficult music, then they kind of know that they'll probably need more hours of rehearsal. If they know that you're a composer mm-hmm. that, you know, writes very idiom- idiomatically for the instruments and is very conventional, then they'll know that they'll need less time and it's not up to them to make good decisions so they can also it's a relationship you're entering into right 
then it's more complicated. If if you know the ensemble, you will know that they will have enough rehearsals or that yeah. they will not have. Yeah. But I mean, in the way you write or I write, actually the sound re- the sound result is always uh, what represents us. So we are we are somehow responsible for the sound result. We are responsible for the scores, but also then for the rehearsals, for the understanding, for the contact between us, us and the musicians. Mm-hmm. Do you agree? I yes, yeah, yeah. We are not there to be policemen and to check every single detail, but more we are clear in our project. I'm learning that sometimes I'm so late. Diotima one day premiered my string quartet three years ago in Donna Washing, and they got the score one month before the concert and for them it was very short because the piece is extremely difficult they play with slides and plectrums and but if you relate that that's you broke the even it may may have been a handshake that Mm -hmm. you did it over but you then i agree that is your is your fault but if you're if you do everything you're supposed to do and you know that they have enough time and you have to meet them halfway an ensemble they have to do as much work as you do when uh, a new piece is coming into fruition well i mean not maybe not as not as much but like They still have to also, once they get it. Mm. I'm just thinking, uh, it's a little bit new topic. I have never spoken about it, never, never thought, never been thinking about it. You asked me that I said that sometimes composers are, are bitter or depressed. And my feeling is I had never this problem of not being rehearsed enough, maybe a little bit in one, with one Polish orchestra. Yeah, it, it happened to, to, my, to me maybe two times that the, that the conductor of an orchestra was too, too much speaking, losing time while I'm speaking and, and not enough rehearsing. But it was not catastrophe because maybe that's also our responsibility that the score should be so powerful that even if they play 60% of that, you get the message of the piece. Because it happens. It happens. It can happen. So you're happy if they just get the... Well, I'm not happy. Even if they get the message at 60%, if it was 85, 90%, which in my mind is an mm. incredible performance, mm. you could have blown their minds. Mm. You know, it would have been as powerful as you were thinking it was going to be when you were writing it down. So actually, I, I think sh- that's I what think, I mean. I think that the performances should be 100%. Okay. Yeah, of course. Must, might, so. must be. And we have to help them. If I rehearse, I'm very much involved also in rehearsal. If somebody conducts and I, I'm there in the rehearsals, I'm really listening and taking notes and finding f- defaults. I am not just saying maybe a little bit faster or a little bit uh, louder. It's really this measure, this instrument, there is this problem. So I try to be involved and to help them, not not to disturb them, but to help them. And anyway, already first re- reading of my orchestra or ensemble piece makes sense. The very first reading. Okay, yes. I, I would never wish to have it public. <laughs> the thing is, as long as it makes sense to the people playing it, then they'll be like, okay, I kind of understand where he's going with this. And then we can, then they have a goal that they can work towards with you. Mm. If they're just blind the mm. entire time and mm. they don't know what's happening, mm. it, their attitude's going to be bad. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I can say that it's also a great feeling to conduct your own music and to do the first reading of the piece. It's maybe my, my best feeling I have ever had really? with the Kam Ensemble Neue Musik to come to the first rehearsal and put the score and let's play. And everybody tries so much his best with no idea where he's going. It's so great fun. It's so high energy. 
So this energy should be at the concert with the perfect knowledge of the scores. So we should also push the whole society to have enough rehearsals. I met just recently a friend in, in, in her piece was played by one of the best orchestras in the world and they just rehearsed it 30 minutes. And it's a shame for orchestra because you hear that the strings are out of pitch in the high notes and things like that. I think we should not accept it. We should push the society that those kind of situations never happen. Do you have any long-term goals aesthetically? Because right now you seem to be in a place where the vision and intentions of what you're doing are aligned with one another. You know what you want to do and you more or less know how to do it. I'm not saying there's more kind of refining to, mm. that any anybody could have, mm. but you understand those two things more or less mm. and they are connected to one another. Mm. I mean, there are other composers out there that are different. They're like, I have this long-term thing that mm. I'm reaching for and I don't know how to do it yet because I still need to technically figure that out. Like I still need to learn the craft mm. and how it's going to technically be executed. Did you ever have one of those moments? I Will think, you ever have one of those I moments? I always have this moment. I am always trying and searching for something that maybe I will not be able to express by words, but I go by each piece towards something. Maybe I'm still writing more complicated than what I really want it to be. I am I am still still searching for the clarity, for the simplicity more and more to find exactly what I want to say, not to make simple music or minimal music or my music is not simple and not minimal. But if I want to say, hello, how are you? To say, hello, how are you? In maybe special way, it is still a little bit deformed, my results. So I think maybe I will be searching whole life, maybe 10 more years. I have no idea. Do you feel like you have a sense of consistency within your music? I'm not I'm not just talking about quality. I'm talking mm. about people saying like this is coming from you. You have a unique sense of style that's there every time. I think I do. Or many people say that because also I like some sounds that I found and I use them in, I use them in many pieces. Simple glissando up and down wow 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 yeah. something that so a lot of people would recognize it immediately. But maybe it's because of those sounds. But if, if they would recognize my form immediately or my dramaturgy, I would not be happy. And uh, maybe it's something that I have to push. Okay, so that's where the put, you're, so you're pushing on that level, mm. but the immediate surface of it is something that you think it is more consistent in your work. Mm. Do, do you come to that by imagining or discovering? Do you know what I mean <laughs> when I say that? Mm. Like I, I've come to things like this piano and percussion mm. piece that I'm doing now. Mm. Like I've come to things mostly through discovery, mm. not imagining. Mm. Oh, what's going on here? Oh, that sounds cool. I would have never uh, imagined that. Mm. And, then, and I've done other pieces where, okay, I have this idea of a sound and I think this combination of instruments will be the sound that I'm imagining yeah. in my head. But because I'm imagining it first... It maybe takes me four or five times. Mm. Where if I'm discovering it, it's there right away. Yes. Do you imagine I, I, or I discover? I like the question, and I am more in discovering. I think. Yeah. And I also imagine things, and maybe the discovered things have better results. Sometimes I, I think it's good to combine all possible techniques. I spend a lot of hours with piano, and also I decide a lot of things that I cannot hear, and I just take the risk. 
and sometimes I combine layers that may not work and I I have to erase a couple of them in the rehearsals. But in each piece, there is always one moment that I could not hear. I took the risk and it works perfectly. And I can start a new piece just inspired by, by this moment. Has something ever happened by accident and then you're like, okay, that was not what I expected, but wow, that's pretty cool. I can use that in another piece. It can happen. Yeah. Just one, one example. I have a piece, Senior's Voices, and I use a, one bird cry, bird call, that's called Jai Bird. It makes white noise. Wait, so the actual like, bird itself makes white noise or the technique? The, the bird makes like... Something like that. And you can use the the, the bird call with, with the with flatterzung and make... Or, or you just use it like white noise. And in... Once this piece was played with François Xavier Roth, a National Orchestra of Liège, and I could not go for the rehearsal and the concert. And I heard it in the radio, and they just took another bird. They took it. Oh, ah! that's terrible. <laughs> But it was funny. It was fun. It was fun to have something. I like to be very surprised by musicians. If I were, if I were there, I would avoid it. I would say, sorry, the bird is not the But that one. could have been part of a technique that could have been, like like you were saying, that could have been an instrument that you were adding in order to add to a sound, you know? The whole mass of sound could have been like... Yes. But instead it was... Yes, I mean exactly. that's yeah, exactly. but that uh, um, that ruins your intent. That goes back to what I was saying before. You're a composer. Mm. You have clear intentions. You figured. You took the time to figure out how to make it happen. And because the notation maybe was, or they didn't pay attention to the notation, or you didn't write down, make sure it's this mm. bird call. Now all of a sudden you have something that's completely that you didn't intend. That can happen, and I am still learning to be more and more relaxed by the rehearsals and to really judge, okay, they don't play what I wanted them to play, but what I wanted, was it better or just different or just even not better, worse? And then it can happen simply things. The difference between pizzicato e arco is enormous, but it's just one missing word or the musician doesn't see that. And maybe you can write pizzicato with glissando, a figure like... And he would play Arco and you write Fortissima. Bah, 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 bah. Yeah. And okay, maybe there's some, something strange, but maybe I, I will try to have it. And you wait another rehearsal and then you decide. It, it can happen to me. How old are you? How old? Yeah. I'm 34. You're 34 and you seem to have a, you have a lot going on. You're a successful composer, I would say. You win a lot of prizes. You have orchestral pieces. You have lots of people asking you to do stuff. That, that's great. Everything I've heard from you so far has been like you have the kind of attitude that kind of would make people want to ask you to do something. Like obviously you have the skills. I'm not negating that, but you're also very friendly to ensembles. You're very you know, like. Do you feel like it's important to be the type of composer that works well with others? I don't know. Actually, till now, till this year, my feeling was that. I don't do much for my career. I'm not calling people. I'm not meeting people. I'm, I'm not, not saying I'm not saying in that way, but I'm saying like you're like the way you are naturally making sure it's going to work. I think everything working is well and yeah, yeah. I think probably I might be some somebody who who is communicative because 
through my music, I am communicating something. I'm talking to the people through the music. I like to meet the people. I enjoy people. I'm not that much social. I'm very often at home writing. But I think everything is very much interconnected. I think that composer probably should have already very strong idea that drives him to have all the life energy to, to, to sit down and write it and to have an energy to, to speak about his idea to the musicians. And then he comes to the rehearsal and he's some, somehow the messiah yeah. of, of this idea. The, your whole your personality, how you're living is your composition. Everything is connected. We should be very open people and, and accept also advices of the others and and at the same time to, to have strong things to say. And yeah. Is that effortless for you? Is that just who you are? Or do you feel like you have to work on being that? Because a lot of the times I feel I, like I agree with what you're saying, but mm. just the way a lot of other people are, maybe they tend to be more confrontational in a bad way. Or when they're writing a piece, they get so into it that it has to be 17 over 20 with the impossible multiphonic and... Do you feel like you have to work on that as part of who you are, or this is just naturally how you go about living your life? One thing is that we always have to work on us. As a composers, we have always to find where we are stuck and when we where we can evaluate. And it's a question somehow of authenticity. We should somehow find who we are and that who we are to express to others. Because... You might think that you want to make very silent, meditative music, but maybe you are not like that. And then you have a conflict. So already it's it's nice to, to find who we are and just to make the music as we want to do and to do everything to help it. Now I'm still learning. I'm still learning to be more responsible for also for my timing, to be in time, to inform the musicians what I need, to be clear. Yeah, maybe maybe the clarity is something so important to know what we want, what who we are, and to clearly say it through the score and through our communications to, to the musicians and to the public. What if who you are was someone who no one would ever want to work with? The way you naturally are is that you're a confrontational, mm. like angry like I'm I'm painting an extreme example, yeah. person who has to for some reason make impossible gnarly music then is that just a different career path for that person no idea I, or, I or, or is it just that person like shouldn't that. be composing i have friends like that they write so complicated stuff and those people also by communication you don't you don't understand them they don't pronounce they don't have clear ideas and they have somehow the career i can say that i don't understand the result that i hear i cannot enjoy it that much but Everything might be possible, but probably composing is so much about communication and about giving and receiving, about this kind of energy that you create with all your personality. I would say that it is some, somehow necessary to communicate, to be communicative. I can remember when I was studying in Czech Republic with Marek Kopeland, he was making discussions about the topic for whom we write. And if you say I write for public, he would say that's not good, you won't. You want to be commercial, you want to be to have large public and so on. It's such a cliche view of the world. For me it's a cliche, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I would I would maybe encourage everybody to try to be open and clear and communicative and 
and give whole energy even if if the music is very silent or very different of mind that doesn't matter but to have strong ideas and to support them by all the mediums possible mediums through the scores through the contact with musicians through the rehearsing conducting explaining and of course i enjoy very much the music that is for me somehow a big surprise that i have never heard before and but at the end of the day isn't that view the most socially responsible one the one that you described working hard to make things clear and lubricated for the people who you were doing something for mm. like the i mean i mean that like the person sitting down in the seat like you're a composer you're living in society mm. you're you know you're making music because presumably not just for yourself but for people to sit down and listen and you know and mm. to understand whatever your abstract acoustic mm. or not abstract mm. acoustic idea is mm. and part of that is making sure that you get them there i think that my mission is to to enrich people through my music and to go as deeply as i can to the direct source of music source of of the sense of being to the archetypes of of a human being that's what interests me and i think there are composers that they don't have this mission that they really voluntarily write things that can never be played they can never be understood by listeners and then they might obtain something by that i don't judge them i don't know it's just i would as a teacher of young composers or or, or colleague of, of of my age composers and so on maybe encourage my 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 point of view what do you think about it? i think that's good mm. uh i think we've been talking for a while so i think that's a good place to leave it okay Thank you for doing this. Thank you very much.